How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Adam Same podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, I'm joined by Donald Shavers Jr., who is the pastor of the Agape Worship Center. And he plans on do, uh, speaking with us today a little bit more about what he does and what he has uh, in store for, for us in the future. Uh, Donald, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Fantastic. Uh, Donald, tell me a little bit about yourself, like, you know, where you're from, uh, kind of, you know, wh like, you know, how you ended up in Statesboro. Well, I was born right here in Statesboro. I've been here for mm, 49 years. Country okay. boy. Love the great outdoors. Uh, farm. Oh, that's my passion. I love farm. Farm animals. I like to grow the food I eat. Uh, church. My mother brought us up in church. We've been, I've been a part of church all of my life. So that's really all I know. I know a little, a few other things too, but you know, mostly church. Sure. And um, big family, uh, seven children. Wow. Uh, it's just a blast. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so I guess the first thing that, you know, we need to talk about is, you know, how did you, uh, you've now led the church for, it seems, 15 years. Yes. You recently had your anniversary there. Right. Okay. And uh, with that, I mean, how did you kind of like, was that something that you fell into? Uh, did your family do that at all before? Well, actually, my brother started that ministry. Okay. Um, some 20 years ago. Okay. And he got married, moved away, and sort of pushed me right into it. Mm -hmm. And that's where it began with me. So pastor. did you know that you wanted to? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't oh, you didn't know? I didn't want a pastor. You didn't want a pastor? No. Tell me more about that. So it, was that? Was, I, I did it because it was necessary. <laughs> you had no other choice? I had a choice, but I knew it was better for me. To do that? To do that. Uh, what did you do before you became the pastor? I was actually uh, worked with the city of Statesboro. Okay. What yeah. did you do there? Water department. Water department? Mm -hmm. And how long did you work there for? I worked there 12 years. Okay. Yeah. So you, you were always kind of like, you know, tied in with the city um, before that. And then uh, I guess, you know, uh, after your brother started the church, were you part of the, the beginnings of the church at all? Yeah. Okay. So you were, I guess you were kind of like one of the leaders kind of like of when it well, started. Well, I did. I, I led in the uh, praise and worship. Always? Uh, basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what was, what, what was different at that point when your brother left? I had uh, moved over into ministering, okay. uh, uh, speaking and preaching and going through all of the ordination and all of that stuff. And when he left, he said that it was God's will for me to do it. And I was like, oh, here God's will go again. <laughs> I want my will. But, you know, and then we moved into it. Me as a person, I didn't want to go in that direction, mm -hmm. but I knew it was uh, destined for me to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. It's something on down in my innermost being was like saying, do it. Even though I was working with the city and it was a easy, great, no problems, something would always, I, I say something, but the Lord would always speak and say, it's time for you to leave here. Mm -hmm. It's time for you to leave and do something else. I want to use you in another capacity. Mm -hmm. And I would just throw it away, put it back. Fight it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Until 
uh, one day he was he he spoke to me and was like, "If you don't do this, it's going to get bad here for you. Mm. The people are not going to be bad, but the situation here is going to get bad for you, so you'll get out." Mm-hmm. And so I I'd, I'd rather get out before <laughs> uh, things get ugly. Sure. And feelings and emotions and all get involved. So, so you made that leap. Uh, how, yeah. how, how did that feel when you first did that? Nervous, scared really? to death, terrified. Because, uh, you know, people, they have to choose you mm. or accept you before they're willing to actually really listen to you. Mm-hmm. And that takes a terribly long time <laughs> to win people's real attention. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, I was nervous because I'm not naturally, uh, what would I call it? I don't naturally enjoy people. You don't? No. Would you consider yourself an introvert? Yeah. Really? As opposed to an extrovert? Because, you know, I, I see, I, I've seen you around town. And there's, there's the, the one word that comes to mind when I think about you uh-huh. is charisma. Yeah. And that that's always been a part of like you know from the from the fr- first moment that we we saw each other that was what that was and you came straight up to me and you're like you know how are you doing so forth and so on and there was that right. immediate co- connection so you say that that did not in, like you didn't have that from the beginning no initially I'm a shy person mm-hmm. uh, ever since I was a little kid I'm shy shy but outspoken okay I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now initially shy, uh-huh. but I will let you know exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. It, I guess it's a, a like a dog's bark, stay away. Sure. Or you'll welcome me in. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you were extremely nervous at the beginning. Yeah. How much time did it take before people kind of like started, that, that you felt that that turn started happening? Well, I always say I, for five years, I preached them away. Mm-hmm. And then on the sixth year, I started preaching some in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it took it, it took five years to, for people to, yeah. to kind of start to settle. Yeah, because you, you got a guy that's rough around the edges. Were you rough around the edges? And he's not socially mm-hmm. correct. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm used to spending time with myself. And sure. I, I'm not socially correct. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little rough around the edges. I'm just saying how it is. Sure. Uh Thinking that everybody understands things the way that I understand them. Sure. Uh, what do you say? Common sense. Sure. It was common to me. I'm thinking it's common to everybody else, but no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for, for our audience out there, um, you know, a lot of times some of us are, you know, relatively shy in, in the way that we carry ourselves. What type of advice would you give to those people? How, do, how, do, how does someone break out of that? Uh, what broke me out of it? initially is having to sing, mm-hmm. um, performing, mm-hmm. just getting out there. Initially, I sing in the choir when I was a kid. Okay. No one knew I could sing, so I would stay in the back. Uh-huh. But one day, I just felt like singing. Mm-hmm. And they figured I could, they, they liked what they heard, and it pushed me out. And that broke the nervousness after several times. So it came through that kind of like, you know, singing that you started to say, hey, look, like this yeah. is, and you are quite the, uh, the singer, right? Like, I mean, this is now, how long have you been singing since, since choir? Ooh, 40 years. 40 years. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, what, what has, what is singing to you? Like, you know, what does it mean to you? Singing is like a getaway, mm. a release is a ministry. Mm-hmm. It's just like preaching to me when I get a chance to sing. I don't want to sing something that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It, it has to mean something to me if I'm going to sing it. And then I'll minister it to you. Because ministering to me is like just sharing what has blessed you, sharing that with somebody else. Not forcing it upon them, slamming them and damning them for it, but just sharing what has helped you. And that's what singing is about. And, and I think you can really tell uh, when you perform, right? So for me, I've seen kind of like your performances online. In really? fact, yeah, this past uh, past Sunday, I, I was watching, I was tuning in just uh-huh. to kind of like prepare for kind of like the interview. Right. And I saw you going going at it, right? Like you had the <laughs> towel on head, like you were just, you know, going for it. I was like, oh boy, like this is about to be a great, great time. Um, tell me about kind of, you know, th- there's something soulful. You know, it's more than just the words that you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from for you? It comes from broken places, mm-hmm. identifying with the brokenness in other people. It comes from even the strongest places in my life and the most meaningful things in my life and just showering that down on other people. That's why sometimes I feel like sometimes I give it too much. It's like, oh God, I went, I just went over the top, because it's just like coming out of out of my gut. It's, mm-hmm. it's just every. It's just like releasing all that I am and all that God has ever been to me. Religion has ever been to me. It's like just a release of all of it in that moment. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, you know, we're going to hear a lot about kind of like your story, right? Uh-huh. Um, so tell me kind of like the different parts. My Now, I was born in 1971. Mm-hmm. So, and where I lived, we live middle ground, portal area. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with the awareness of uh, racism, black mm-hmm bathrooms white bathrooms it was still going on in this little small town Mm -hmm. when i was growing up so with that awareness it brought about some sense of discernment Mm -hmm. and so i can kind of read people (laughs) Mm -hmm. based upon that Mm -hmm. and nobody really wants to go through that. And it's really hard to understand. It's hard to understand that a person can look at you and their eyes is, the the, the, the eyesight is just demeaning. Just mm. and it looks at you at a way of just saying, you're not good enough. And you get a lot of no's. No, we can't. No, they can't. No. And that has a way of sort of beating a person down to um, is it worth getting up trying to fight again and reach up again? Uh, it, it was, and then at the same time, I'm born at the time where you are being released mm. <laughs> to move forward. And you got to fight with these two dichotomies of demean or put that behind you and reach forward. 
And I'm glad I chose to put that behind me and reach forward. <laughs> and uh, but we were raised uh, farming, picking tobacco, mm. uh, peas, peanut, anything you could work, raking folks' yards, anything you could do. We did it to put food on the table, uh, to have a house to live in, and to ensure that our smaller siblings younger siblings didn't have to deal with what we had to deal with. Mm. Yeah. So it, it gave us a sense of giving back the importance of pitching in, giving back so somebody else doesn't have to deal with what you had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that's something that you had gone through. Uh, in, in small towns, uh, you know, that I guess racism was still extremely prevalent. Yeah, it, it lingered a long time. It lingered a long time. So yeah. did, was it something that you recognized as, because you grew up in that, correct? Yeah. And so when you, would you ever travel to kind of like big, larger metropolitan areas and kind of like see, what, oh, wow, wow it's, it's a little bit different here. Right, right. We, we, we often traveled to uh, West Palm Beach and, mm -hmm. and places like that because my father, he, he was a go-getter. He didn't believe in stigmas and, you, you you couldn't stigmatize him and put him in a little box. Sure. He, he and he would take us places, mm -hmm. but visiting places and living in a place is two different things. So it sort of when you live around that, it'll sort of mold you if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. It'll mold you to just keep it, just stay minimal. Just don't make a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, this conversation is really interesting because of everything that's happening in the world right now. You mm -hmm. know? Uh, I think that there's a lot of turmoil that's happening within the country. Even. Right. Um, I guess, you know, in your viewpoint, like what is your stance on kind of like everything that's happening right now? Uh, it's just a culmination of everything that has always been. It's a collective thing and it's just coming together mm -hmm. and it's just sort of exploding mm -hmm. things have to get worse before they get better that's just uh, christ even says it to, if, if if you're gonna live again you gotta die mm -hmm. <laughs> so i don't think it's a bad thing mm -hmm. because it's just awareness it's making people aware of what's actually taking place in the world that you've not been aware of mm -hmm. so i don't look at it as a bad thing. Sure. But I don't I don't like it when people want to erase history. Mm -hmm. Don't erase it. Don't deny that it was there. I don't I don't want you to to, to destroy historic things mm -hmm. as a way of saying I, I don't want to know it happened. I I I I like to be reminded of where I came from or what happened sort of keep me centered. Mm -hmm. Keep me balanced. So it's it's not a bad thing because it needs to happen. Mm -hmm. What what do you think the future holds for us? Right? Like a, as a uh collective uh I guess country, you know, we're going through, you know, everything that's happening right now. What does the future look like? Uh, that's a magic question mm -hmm. that I really don't have an answer for. I I, I can say this, it can go very good. Mm -hmm. Or very bad. Mm -hmm. There's no no, is no medium there. Do you think we are on that kind of like teeter teeter totter right now? We are. Mm -hmm. We are. It, 
speaking. What would push us towards, I guess, uh, I guess let's, t- let's talk towards like optimism, right? So uh-huh. what would push us towards the correct direction, do you think? I think uh, people practicing just general things like forgiveness. Mm. Just looking at a person saying, everybody deserves to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. That's how I live by the golden rule. Do unto mm-hmm. others as you would have them do unto you. Mm-hmm. I live by that rule. And I live saying, I really would like for somebody to forgive me if I did something mm-hmm. stupid or wrong or whatever. I would really like for them to forgive me. So that that's how I view other people. And I think that would help us a lot in um, coming to a, a happy place. Mm-hmm. Then acknowledging uh, that there has been some some bad behavior, misbehavior, mm-hmm. because forgiveness without some sort of aligning, it, it just leaves room for one person to just keep doing it over and over again. And that's not, that's not healthy either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I see a lot of people saying, I'm committed to the past. I'm committed to the past. I'm committed to my forefathers, what my forefathers did. Mm-hmm. Your forefathers, our forefathers did a lot of things out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. They don't, they're not, they were not where we are now. So sometimes you have to abandon some of those practices of your forefathers to really move into what the world is, is, is where the world is right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so what I hear is really not so much living in the past. Yeah but rather li- living in the present, right? Yeah. Right? So, like, you know, being able to uh, take the moment that you have right now as opposed to, hey, everything was incorrect back then. Right. And taking those and then bringing them into the surface. Right, right, gotcha. right. Gotcha. Live now. Live now. Live now. That's a, that's a, that's a good way to, yeah. uh, to look at it. Uh, let's change directions right now. Okay. Uh, let's kind of, like, you know, thank you for kind of, like, that, that, that yeah. bit and piece in there. Um, let's change direction now and talk and talk about a little bit about your perspective um, of business and religion. And we had uh, kind of like, you know, talked about this a little bit before we got into this uh, into this segment. But uh, I guess what I wanted to ask is, you know, as business businesses are, it's very important to the, the end goal of the business is obviously to create revenue. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes, you know, there is a sensitivity around either cultural movements, uh, religious movements, all these different types of things Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, businesses usually try to shy away from. They don't want to take a stance because they are in the business of kind of pleasing everyone, right? Like we are here to serve everyone. It doesn't matter, you know, what religion you are, uh, what you believe in, so so on. We're here to sell you product. So, you know, the leadership, how do you feel about that? Because, you know, it goes uh, in certain directions. Like, you know, on one side you have kind of like Chick-fil-A, right? Uh, the the, the lower chicken, if you will. Like, that's that's what they call it, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and they have a very, they, they don't open on Sundays. Like, right. they have like certain cores at, at who they are. Right. Um, what, in your viewpoint, what is the place of religion in business? Or is there a place for religion in business? In my viewpoint, uh, there is a place for religion mm-hmm. in business mm-hmm. because business is a form of leadership itself. Okay. It's a form of tutoring. Okay. 
it's a form of tutoring. Okay. And so it's very important that religion has a place in business because business supports ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you can use whatever business you have as a form of ministry. Mm. I look at it like this. Don't look at them as customers. Look at them as people. Mm-hmm. People. N- not a means to an end. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy sharing what I have with you. I enjoy bringing you this great food, this great music, this great ambiance. I enjoy bringing this to you. And I'll do whatever it takes to ensure that you have a pleasant stay here, but I won't violate me. Mm -hmm. I won't violate my principles Mm -hmm. just for you. Mm -hmm. I I, I won't violate my principles for you. Of course. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Um, to to you, uh, you know, do you have a a wish that more businesses would follow that guideline? Yes, I wish they would stick to their gun mm-hmm. and understand that you're not called for, to everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not gonna eat so yummy. That's true. No matter how good it is, sure. Everybody's not gonna enjoy Chick Fil A. That's right. Uh, I think for the most part, everybody enjoys Chick-fil-A. Let's not call out Chick-fil-A right quick. I do. <laughs> but, what, but you get what yes, I'm saying. Yes, of course, of course. Everybody doesn't like Donald. Sure. No matter who does, everybody don't like Donald. And so you have to remember that in the back of your mind. I, I, there's a group that I'm called to, called to serve, and I'm going to give them my darn best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that last phrase kind of like uh, pulled pull me back to, you know, uh, oftentimes people say that uh, you're, if you don't have haters, you're not doing it correctly. Do you, do you, does that kind of like fall in li- into line of what you're saying? Of course. Yeah. You're going to have those. That's just part of doing good. If you're doing it good, somebody's going to say something bad. Why, 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 why would people hate on you, though? People like to keep you where they, they are mm-hmm. or or it makes them feel good for you to be beneath them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, Donald, let me, let me ask you some questions about kind of like your dreams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it though, that you hope to achieve in the future? In the future, I hope to uh, open a, a, a farm that tutors young men mm. uh, and teach them the value of simple living mm-hmm. and um, teach them how to um, provide for themselves with meager means um, and personal development. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want a whole ranch, the mm-hmm. cabins where they come and stay for three months and, and, and learn how to live and learn how to give back. Mm-hmm. To society, to society. Have you done this? Uh, have you run anybody through that program before? Yeah. You have? Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, I did it with a couple of ministers mm-hmm. when I first started pastoring. I had them feeding hogs, uh, killing chicken. Really? Uh, we, we raise it, kill it, cook it, 
eat it. We go through the whole process. We did the cattle sales. We took cattle to slaughter. Wow. And they are, they are like 35 now. And every time they talk to me, they tell me how that experience still plays a significant part in their life right now. That's fascinating. Yeah. All the the lessons that Uh they learned while we were on the farm and how we got a chance to even dig into very personal things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. We we sorted through things like uh, abandoned uh, fathers, abandoned them. Mm -hmm. Uh, One, his girlfriend had an abortion and Mm -hmm. it really, I mean, it really tore him up. We went through the funeral service. We did it all. Mm-hmm. We did everything, and yeah, it and it is. They use it in to ministry. Yeah, to this day. Uh, are they are they all ministers now? Uh, two of them are ministers. Uh, one is a musician. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so in the future, that's I think that that's the program that you hope to create. That's the and, program. Uh huh. And how long and, is that program in, in your mind? In my mind, it would be a six-month program. Okay. Yeah. And then after the six months, they would go off and... They would go off and and put it into practice. Okay. And, and another dream is my, of mine is to uh, revitalize the community. We're actually in the process of it now. Bring it up to a decent um, living conditions for older people. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily for people that are able to work for themselves. I want them to be able to live in the houses, and all they have to do is pay their uh, water and electric. But I want them to be able to live there mm-hmm. minimally. Yeah. And how? And so you know, you 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 bring up uh, that topic. How how what what is wrong with the system currently? Currently, I see a lot of older people being preyed upon by younger people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they just live on them. And then drug activity picks up when people don't have real responsibilities. Sure. A real something that makes them have to get up every day and go do something at mm-hmm. a certain time. Mm-hmm. And then it, the easy living, mm-hmm. the, the, the concept that you can have something without pouring a lot of energy into it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and they're being preyed upon you you got people just living on so so the younger uh folks are kind of like moving in on kind of like the the older folks yeah and basically you know uh taking advantage of that relationship right uh using their houses as offices Mm -hmm. or yard as an office Mm -hmm. to do whatever they do Mm -hmm. yeah uh, I didn't even know that this was an issue. Is this existing in uh, Statesboro as a community? Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Do you think it's across the board? It's, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. People, younger people, it's, it's known. Younger people are living with their parents. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're not getting out anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just living with their parents. How do you change that? My plan is to require them to go. Mm-hmm. So if if the uh, older woman moves in, mm-hmm. she's not allowed to let her children stay in her house. Mm-hmm. She's just not allowed to do Where that. Where the kids are going to live? 
They don't have anywhere else to go. They're adults. Mm. They're not kids' kids. Mm -hmm. They're adults. So so you provide. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's hard. Some some families, uh, you know, uh, the family unit is very close. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, one side of it is that the parents are saying that, okay, you know, we don't want you to live here anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or we want you to live here. Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of like fix that, right? Because is it is it coming, is the issue coming from the parent's side or is the issue coming from the children's it's side? It's two-sided. Both it's, sides. It's both sides. Because... Because a lot of parents want them there, they they, they want them they they just want them there, mm-hmm. and then there are others that just want them gone, get never come back. It is it, is it's, it's too. And then there are some some children that have not even been trained, sure, to provide for themselves. I mean that's a real statistic out there, meaning that you know yeah. this generation uh, more so than any other generation uh-huh. out there. There's a large amount of you know kids that live right at home right um let's uh you know again change change the topic uh let's kind of like go into something else um what what makes you passionate about the work that you do as a pastor what makes me passionate about it is what it has done for me as a person Mm -hmm. Uh, being a pastor has changed me in the best way ever it has opened me up to understand that life is not just about me and my personal desires Mm -hmm. because i before i had a tendency to be Mm self-indulged like i I really didn't need people Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, to be happy Mm -hmm. but pastoring has taught me the power of connectivity and and uh, the beauty of social living and serving. Mm-hmm. Serving is the most beautiful thing in the world. It is so rewarding to be able to serve mm-hmm. and, and serve from an authentic place. Not serving from a place of, am I, please, oh, am I a people pleaser? Have they been pleased? Have they, are they satisfied? But serving from the place of, this will definitely benefit you i know it will because it has benefited me mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah well um you know i i feel that pastoring is perhaps like leadership at its most pure form right right um for you what are the what are the uh lessons that have been taught through your pastoring that you would like to kind of like bring to the podcast and tell people about how to conduct themselves in a leadership role okay pastoring I know people um, believe that, you know, you can do no wrong, mm. but that's, that's a lie. The thing about leadership is when you do do wrong, what are the steps that you put in place to make sure you don't go back into that again or elevate that wrong into a place where it's okay to be wrong. Mm -hmm. It it, it helps people to understand that no matter what we go through or what we have to deal with, we have what it takes to get us through it, out of it, 
especially if we have a relationship, in my view, to, with Christ, that we have a voice, a written, mm -hmm. uh, a manual, a, a guide to, to get us through whatever we uh, are faced with. And, um, and, and, and pastoring as a leadership, you have to step up. And be the guy that everybody notices mm -hmm. or the girl that everybody notices and be perfectly okay with it. Mm -hmm. you, 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 you have to let people see you live life. Mm. They have to see you at your worst place in life and see how you function. And then they have to see you at your best and see how you function. Mm -hmm. They have to see you. I, I remember when I was like, when I first started pastoring, I didn't understand the financial side of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, it, I was like losing car repossessed. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. and, and, Going through and, it. Yeah, house, in foreclosure, all kinds of things. And people were watching me. Is he going to fall apart? Mm -hmm. Is he going to beg and cry? Mm -hmm. Is he going to whine? No. There's an inner strength that says, these are material things. You, you obtain them once. You can obtain them again. Because uh, if something's wrong, that means you need to refocus. If you're losing your car, you, you, you've done something wrong. You, you, you haven't properly prepared yourself to move into what you've moved into. You, 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 uh, pain is there for a reason. It's an indicator. Whenever you're going through things, it's an indicator. You pay attention to what's going on in your life. Don't just sit down and go, oh, I'm dying. You'll die. That's right. Yeah. Let people watch you. And that's what leadership is all about. Bringing people along as far as you can care, carry them mm -hmm. and then leaving them to do what you've done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hear uh, lead by example. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, You're better with words. Yeah. No, I was just <laughs> like I just try to you know summarize and kind of like pull it all together. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like that that is that's, definitely that's something it. that that is, is true. Um. If uh, how do people get in touch with you? What's what's the best way to kind of like reach out to you if they have any questions or you know, how do they follow your your journey uh, um, with everything that you do? Well, I'm not a Facebook person or anything, so you have to reach out to me through Agape Worship Center's uh -huh. page. Uh -huh. uh, just reach out to me through the church means, and uh, and you can also reach me at four eight nine. 2612. Yeah. <laughs> Almost forgot the number. Yeah. 912-489-2612. And um, we can make things happen. In, uh, any uh, last words for, I guess, the podcast? Anything that you'd like to let them know? I would like to end the podcast with um, life is meant to be lived. So live it. Live it without regrets. Life is meant to be lived, and not only lived, but life is meant to be handed down or passed off to somebody else. So live life, but make sure you leave a legacy. Make sure you leave a legacy. Make sure that somebody cries when you die. Mm. Love it. Mm -hmm. Well, Dono, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on to this show. And then, uh, yeah, 
uh, leave that legacy. Leave that legacy. It's great. Adam, right. you're a great guy. I appreciate it. You got great energy. Thank you. Love you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Love you too.